Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to this week's edition of Thought Crime. Today, myself, Charlie Kirk, and the boys talk about the truth about college sports, UFC and Bud Light, cancel culture, should we partake, ebony alerts in California, and finally, the Jesus book. I'm not going to explain the Jesus book. You just have to hear it for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to commit thought crime. From the age of Big Brother. If they want to get you, they'll get you. The NSA specifically targets the communications of everyone. They're collecting your communications. Okay, everybody. Happy Thursday. It is Thought Crime Thursday. Blake, how are we doing? We're doing lovely. Fan favorite, Blake. Tyler Boyer. It's good to be here, Charlie. D-backs won. Yeah, Jack, where's your hat? Hey, Jack, how'd the Phillies do? Sorry, I don't watch sports very often. No, okay. Jack? No, I'm here, guys. Uh, I wasn't sure if the... We're waiting for the shot to come up because... Um, uh, what can I say? Man of my word. Man of my word. <laughs> oh, he oh, found, he found one. one! Wow! Man of my word. How did, how did he get that? Overnight, that was the bro. only one they had, they had for sale out in the middle yeah, of... Yeah, the only one that they could overnight was... Where's the A? Right, but that they could wow. overnight was was this the so, classic one. There we go. Classic one. There we go. I'd like to thank uh, <laughs> Tyler Boyer as well as Jessica Barshis for uh, letting me know of my newfound and heretofore lifelong adoration of what's, that, what's the name of the team again? The the team no like the the team no I know it's Arizona but what's the the Dinglebat? Okay, the Dinglebat. <laughs> The Bobcats, Arizona, All right. and I just, I just really support um, their um, endeavors so much. It's the Bobbacks, right, Tyler? Bob well, Tyler, no. Tyler, you got to explain it. This is so, a, this Bob is the Backer? greatest branding disaster in the history of sports. So it, it made it made sense in the '90s, like teal and purple made sense in the '90s. Okay, Charlie. So the Diamondbacks, when they were when they started, they played at Bank One Ballpark, and so they called it Bob. And so when they were like, <laughs> we need a mascot. And they they tried a snake, but you can it's only do so much in it, a, a, oh, as a snake. It was a and costume so, issue. And so they're like, oh, well, we'll just because it's Bob, we'll call him Baxter for Diamondbacks, the Bobcat, as Bob is his home. But then Bank One got bought by Chase, and so now it's Chase Field. So now everyone's like super confused. Like, why is your mascot a Bobcat? <laughs> <laughs> and the Suns have the gorilla, so we have the Phoenix Suns gorilla, which makes no sense, which is a historical thing. And we have a bobcat. Wait, for the you have the gorilla for the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, it's the Suns gorilla because we had no mascot. Yeah, the, the so a guy, used, Arizona. a guy used to show up just dressed as a gorilla, dancing all around. And so, so they just so, but, but Tyler, when did the purple thing stop existing? When did they go to this awful red and black? I think when combo? they sold the team. Was that in 2002? When Jerry Colangelo sold the team was like, to they, the Kendricks. When was that? It was like, it was actually like 2008, I think. I don't like the rebrand. I miss the I, old. Well, now it's now it's Sedona Red and oh, Turquoise know. is like for those years. I like the old. I, I like, like the, the old. old. I, the 90s. I, I like the old color scheme. It does. It is super 90s in the way all the teams that joined sports <laughs> leagues from like 95 to 2000 had these. Like Utah weird. Jazz they had, had these very purpley, similar. Metallic yeah. Minnesota Timberwolves. Look at the, look at the Jaguars. The Seattle Panthers. Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Sonics. Yeah, they had that kind of big lettery. Yeah. 
Even the Rams, the the St. Louis, the then St. Louis Rams changed to that strange metallic gold color. And the now Char- they changed. Charlotte, now they changed back Charlotte to Charlotte Hornets. Color. Charlotte Hornets were these colors. Yeah, if everyone had this the, dark metallic, yeah, right. yeah, and they still are. They they've readopted them. I miss the nineties. And now Speaking now we're going back to the real golden age though, which is seventies uniforms. So, so ja- we were in the chat and Jack said, "There's no way that the Phils are you know with their three hundred million dollar." <laughs> Are gonna drop two games of Philadelphia and boom, happened. Now look at him. Now he's a now he's a Diamondbacks fan for life. He has no choice. Go, go back. You, you know that the Philadelphia Phillies have the biggest payroll of any team in baseball. Number one, two hundred and nine million dollars, and, 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 and ha- you know half what? of it is Bryce Harper. The Arizona Diamondbacks are twenty three in payroll, sixty two million dollars. You know they have wow. they have a big payroll, but they are going to be have the second most championships in MLB this year. Zero. Ah. Uh, so you're recovering, okay, Jack? As a Philly fan, you're used to heartbreak tragedy. I mean, Charlie, what I just can I say? You know, uh, I've been a Philly fan my entire life. So, I mean, you think this L is is anything for us? We, look, we've lost World Serieses. We've lost. You think this is the first game seven the Phillies have gone down in? Please. We've lost it, Super it Bowls on the world stage. We've lost, you know, we've had champions go to the Olympics and lose big. So, please, this is this is like a Wednesday for us. Well, you guys got a Super Bowl recently, though. The Philly special. Was that 17 or 18, true. right? That was yeah. uh, uh, when was Nick... Nick Foles was came in. Was that Nick Foles well, who came in? I think it was Nick Foles who came in for a the North Dakota kid that tore his ACL. Y- yes, yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz. Carson got Wentz got hurt. Greatest you, tragedy. You know greatest tragedy in yeah. But then North Nick Dakota Foles, a University Which, of Arizona then, product, right, so right Tyler? He has a nickname that that's pretty famous. Possibly. Yeah, it couldn't be. You know, everybody thought that Foles was gonna, you know, second string quarterback. How could a second stringer win the whole thing? So this happens not in the Super Bowl, but a couple of games before in the playoff. So Foles and, takes over, who's just a washed-up buster, and just goes nuts, and just just rides it out, just totally rides it out, wins the game. They beat the Patriots, if I remember correctly, in With New Brady. Jersey. It was in Meadowlands. Yeah, that's right. That the, the Super Bowl was in the Meadowlands, if I remember correctly. Very cold. Yeah, that, they were so worried it was going to be a snowstorm Super Bowl. Actually, ended up being okay. Yeah, it was, it was like really thirty-eight nice. degrees. It was like a big thing. Like, yeah. is the, the Super Bowl going to be the best snowstorm? lore on the Phillies? Before we move on, is they do have the most losses of any professional team in American sports. They have really? the Phillies have managed to lose eleven thousand two hundred and forty-one times. So they were just really they were they were a, an original team that was really bad. They were bad for a very long time. They are bad enough that with Jack's new team, the the Dingleberries, Diamondbacks, <laughs> they would have to lose every single game. Yeah, Dingleberry. They would have to lose every single game for something like thirty years in a row to have lost as many games as as we, the Phillies. We prefer D bags, okay? That's what they call. That, that's what yeah, they call so, them. Yeah. So you see, again, Charlie, like th- this is nothing for us. This is like. And come on, this I was. Yeah, I, this was, I remember oh, actually You're talking to a having, Okay, have, okay, fair. okay, fair, okay, fair. So you know, so you know, right? We went a hundred and four so, years, Jack. Okay, no, hundred and six. I think had, it was. Um, when we were when we were kids, I remember my dad actually had season tickets for the sort of you know famous '93 Phillies, um, and went to you know went to a ton of the games. I uh, got to see Nails play, Lenny Dykstra. I got to see everybody, Mike Schmidt, even earlier than that. So it was just just really cool time. And, uh, you know, growing up, that's back when the games were held at Veterans Stadium, which doesn't even exist anymore. 
And I remember just, uh, you know, we would, my, you know, we could only, we only had enough money for two tickets. So what, what with my brother and I, what my dad would do is, you know, one of us would go to one game, one would go to the other. Basically, we'd switch off. Well, best of luck in, I think it starts tomorrow, right? First game? Yeah. Texas Rangers? First game in, 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 in Arlington. In Arlington. Where, where they right don't win to, a lot of games in Arlington. It's right next to Jerry Stadium. They win yeah, on the yeah, road, so, by, the way, by the way, Tyler, I'm not sure what the, the confines of our bet were, but this is like a winter cap, and I've got the heat on in here, and nope. this is like... Whole show. What? Wait, what? Whole whole, show. You just you just have to pull it to the crown of your head and Su- wear it like suffering, they wear in Philly. Suffering gives meaning to life, Jack. All show. We said we said we said the show, but I, I don't know. If yeah. That by the way, whole show t- t- or a portion of the show. Tim or, Pool wears that hat forever, so don't give me that. Okay. I thought this so, was. Is this not Tim Pool? Ah, right? I thought this. I thought this was Tim Pool. I was for a second. I thought we were. Oh, it's Jack. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, because it's because it's got the A on it for for Poso. Well, All right. So I just want to I want to reiterate something that was said. I just want to fact check real quick. This was the first game seven that the Phillies have ever lost. It's is the that first right? game seven they've ever been to in their history. Is that right? They that's were bad that's a crazy. Long time. But they won a they won a World Series like an 08 or something, right? But they yeah. didn't go to game seven. Okay, but they still like this whole like complaining, if you win one more than every 50 years, you're fine. Yeah, and Bryce Harper. <laughs> how can you like Bryce Harper? How can you like Schwarber? I mean, Schwarber looks hey, like a dad. Hold on, he gave the Cubs a World Series. He is a relic in the pantheon <laughs> of Cubs legends. I was laughing with Lauren because we were watching. Schwarber looks like like your average dad in like the pickup line at, at like school. I'm supposed to not like him for that reason. That makes him sound awesome. No, he also I mean, has the most home runs of any left-handed hitter. He's in the incredible. He's scary. Yeah. He's also like the the worst. Hitter to be a big home run hitter doesn't he average one ninety or something bad in the average? All he does is hit a home run he or a low, go yeah, out. Yeah. That's why it's scary when you're only up. Yeah. So, uh, so we can go in multiple directions. We want to go right into the sports angle, Blake. We let's might just, as well. Let's start with. Um, let's start with uh, the because UFC I mean, thing. Let, just so everyone understands kind of how we're approaching this. Okay, you got wars and rumors of war. We got mass shootings in Maine. We got houses surrounded. We got another potential mass shooting in New Jersey. We just had a speaker of the house. We have an invasion on the southern border. We got a lot of negative stuff. And we're like, in okay, Maine. right. And we have three hours of that we do every day. Jack does it for a couple hours. And so you know, we said, you know what? Let's just take a temporary little detour. Which, by the way, the sports angle, and then can get into Dana White and Uf, uh, UFC and Bud Light. So we can kind of do this. And but let's just start with the the topic that we'd usually wait for longer, which is college sports. NIL, name image likeness, this, this is a ridiculously interesting topic. Everyone listening, even if you're not a sports fan, this topic will get your curiosity because you are living through a total seismic change in philanthropy, college sports, higher education, young, young men and how they get paid when they play football. Blake, walk us through it. Okay, so this has all started uh, our discussion. There was an article in the New York Times a few days ago. It was called How Rich Donors and Loose Rules Are Transforming College Sports. And it's this massive, massive piece. Uh, I encourage people to look it up. But I also you know, extracted some, some details from it. So a few years ago, the NCAA lost a Supreme Court case which said you, know, you can't stop players from profiting off their name, image, likeness. And so this opened the door to players receiving some compensation while, while being college athletes. And it took very little time for this to evolve. This decision was, I want to say, about three years ago or so. Not even. Yeah. And it's already become this new thing where what donors have realized they can do is they set up these donor collectives, they call them. There's That's more than right. 100 of these now at all the big schools. Donor collectives. 
and they essentially just collect money from boosters of the school. Some of them are for-profit entities, or at least not not-for-profit, and some are non-profits that you can donate to and get a tax deduction for it. And these collectives come up with various ways to play players overwhelmingly in D1 college football or D1 college basketball. And some of these details are just, are just crazy. So uh, one player at Michigan State University makes $750,000 per year as a college athlete. At Ohio State University, uh, some players not only get a paycheck, they get a free car lease as well. This is Utah, by the way. The Utah, Kyle Utah Whittington. Utah also has this. Who, by the way, is a bully and will hopefully beat by the Oregon Ducks this weekend. Just gave every player a Dodge truck. Yeah, $61,000 He's like, if you play Dodge. for me, you all get a truck. Who did it come from? It's just paid for. It's La- yeah. Larry, what's his name? That uh, It's on the Utah Jet. Uh, he has a bunch of dealerships down here, too. I have no idea. And just... Cade McNamara was uh he was a quarterback. Way, he's not at even Michigan. good, and he was gonna transfer. He got hurt. He went to he got hurt, and he transferred, and he just essentially openly says, "Yeah, I'm just looking at the different offers. You know, who's got?" It's like LeBron James. Get that that get that cut, Ryan. I I will bring my talents to South. Remember that the announcement. Taking my talents to South. Do you remember Beach. that announcement? Yeah, the, One of the most ridiculous the moments. Yeah, the, the decision. I, that was pay, that. That's by the way, that, that got like 12 million views. Do exactly. But at least LeBron James was a full professional. What <laughs> is crazy about this? So Cade McNamara is. At one taxpayer-funded public university where he says, uh, you know, I'm going to transfer and go where the best offer is, he ends up transferring to Iowa, another taxpayer-funded public university. He is paid $600 per hour for a nonprofit job of delivering meals to seniors and visiting children in hospitals. 600 an hour is what... Like a, a New York corporate attorney, who's, the IRS who's a is going to come make. after this pretty hard. Uh, but they haven't so they ha- far. They have. No, they have. There's a letter. There is. There's a gu- there's a guidance see, letter on collectives, th- right? That's that's it. No, th- their guidance letter said in July that if that they're basically going to start coming after all these these C threes. I I will believe it when when I see consequences for it. Cool. And I think in the medium term, though, it is. Well, it takes them two years to three years to, to do respond a, to anything. You know, so it, it just it does stand out to me, though, that when you think of the reasons people would traditionally give for liking college sports so much, even though it is a lower level of play than professional, it's, uh, you know, they would cite uh, the, the identifying with the school, uh, the ideal of a student athlete, amateurism historically, um, all, just really identifying with a specific place, and it just does seem very jarring, at least to me, that it becomes so mercenary that everyone is essentially just going to pick, well, what what place can pay me the most under this new setup, and becoming this de facto minor league for a major pro sports league, when there's still mostly public schools that are doing well, this. Well, let's also, let's be honest, though. First of all, with all the conference realignment, this was happening anyway, right? Yeah. So as far as the kind of professionalization of college sports. The the innocence of college sports has been dying for quite some time. But I, I want to push back a little bit, though, Blake. So I, I, I met an individual. I'm not going to say who. Tyler knows who this person is. I'll put it in the chat. And he was a kicker for a Big 12 team. Okay, he was in politics. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, look, I, I remember he hit a game-winning field goal, right? He played for a team in the Big 12, went to his locker, and there's $10,000 cash waiting in his locker. It's like it happened all the time. No. So, so if you think this is new... Payers have been, players have been getting paid hardcore cash. It's, it's just the devil's advocate, Blake, is just that now it's out in the open. I'll give you another example. I know another college athlete played for USC, dumb as a box of rocks. Sweet kid, right? Again, intelligence, as Tucker Carlson said, is not a, um, is not a um, moral value. Um, and so, dumb guy. They would pay 
the players in the offseason through the nonprofit of the foundation to just literally like watch footballs, like just watch the footballs. So, Blake, it's, it's just it just seems to be now in the public eye. Reggie Bush was paid. Matt Leinart was paid. Yeah, it's, it's always been there. It does seem it's more glaring now. And I guess taking a step back, if people like college football or college basketball, more power to you. What bothers me, I will say, is, again, that we are corrupting institutions that ostensibly have a different purpose because these we still pretend these people are student athletes. We still say they're supposed to take classes, and then in turn, we corrupt these institutions. So if you go to a mate, some of these schools, uh, UNC's had scandals about this. Ohio State has had scandals about this where – okay, you're a student athlete, but because you're one of our scholarship student athletes, you have a separate dorm area, you go to a different building for classes, we have special athlete-only classes, we have special athlete-only tutors who, you know, assist you a lot on your, in your scholarly endeavors. And we gut all of these things, we'll gut academic standards. We've had scandals at our military service academies where professors have complained, we are lowering academic standards for people whose job is to protect the United States in order to make sure that the, you know, the Navy midshipmen are able to win more football games. And they've won a lot of football games as a result. And it does, it just bothers me that this is apparently like the supreme expression of American values is competition in college sports, such that we will dilute illustrious institutions for the sake of getting those victories. Well, so Tyler, you know, to talk about this, but talk about how the money flows. This is what's interesting. So this has a political overture. Yes, because the architecture is similar. The architecture is the most identical. We we happen to think of ourselves a little bit uh, pros on how the left funds itself over at Turning Point Action. Charlie has spent a ton of time on this. I've spent a ton of time on this. So if you've heard of Arabella Advisors, so you know Arabella. They have, they have become the epicenter at manipulating C3 dollars in order to push a political narrative, right? That's, what that, that's all, all, all they've done. And how they've done it is very simple. It's very similar to how NIL is doing it, specifically with these collectives, as you mentioned. These collectives now have been slapped by the IRS saying, we're going to come after you, we're going to audit you. So they've already started moving into for-profit collectives. And then taking C3 dollars from C3 organizations that are legit C3 organizations that have existed for years and years and years and years, because this is the big problem. And Charlie knows this really, really well. New C3s are under a microscope much more often than old C3s. So like the American Heart Association, probably not going to get, you know, going to get canceled anytime soon by the IRS. But a brand new political C3, like what happened under Obama, is going to get yanked. And so this is what's happened with the NILs. The NILs, these, these new C3 collectives, are getting you know, scrutinized. And so they're going now to old C3s that have existed, family foundations, things like that that have existed, and said, give the money to them. Get your write-off. They will now give money to these for-profit collectives. The for-profit collectives, they don't have to worry about very much there anyways. They're not worried about taxes and paying taxes. They're getting tons of money. And now those for-profit collectives are now giving the money and the gifts and things like that to the students. Well, and, and that's the future. And that is exactly how Arabella operates. Arabella operates as a for-profit entity well, it's this that massive, takes in all these C3 dollars. This massive web of money. And so, so, Jack, your thoughts on this, on college sports in general, but also, you know, have, has this actually always been as innocent as we like to think? 
Well, Charlie, I, I think we, you know, and, and of course you've done the yeoman's work on exposing colleges in terms of the general scam of colleges. And so what we're really talking about here is a subset of the college scam. So the college sports scam is really, you know, you could write a new chapter or even sort of like a sequel to your your last book on this because, <clears throat> again, we've totally gotten away from colleges as a an institution of learning, as a place where, again, people were supposed to go, and not, not everybody, right? Not everybody was going to college when these things originally started. It was a very small subset of people. Most people graduated school and went right into the workforce if they went to school at all or had any of this. But it's become so much of a credentialing factory, a diploma mill, if you will, in terms of this. And so now, by and large, the same way that you see these endowments, the same way you see these universities being run as essentially hedge funds with an academics department, you're seeing these sports departments and in you know, in many cases, it's football. It's not always football. It's generally football that leads it. Um, this has become not just the driver of the institution, but actually its own enterprise unto itself. And again, the the university and, and all of it, it's just there for show or there, by the way, for them to justify more federal funding that they're able to receive for their giant new center, their giant new state, whatever it is. Um, we've completely lost sight of what the purpose of college or university should be. And by the way, I say that as a guy who I didn't go there, but my dad, most people in my family went to Penn State. We're big, actually, Pasobics are a huge Penn State family. We are the Nittany Lions, all of that. Um, and, you know, I didn't go myself because I didn't want to live in State College. But the idea is that these universities have become basically a world unto themselves, a money machine unto themselves. And we're seeing it, Charlie. It's become this massive influx and flow of money to the enemies of the Republic, to the enemies of patriots, to the enemies, in this case, of civilization. And so when I see something like this going on, you know, my first thought is, why do we allow these people to be nonprofit? To go back to what Tyler's saying, why do we allow them to have nonprofit status at all? Why do we give them IRS breaks when they're taking in the, this much money? Why do we allow these things to operate with federal funds, in many of cases, at public institutions? We should obviously be cracking up this entire system opening the books, figuring out if they owe taxes, make them pay taxes on all of these things. And when it comes down to the student debt crisis, you know, I'm, I'm not really much of a conservatarian on it. I'm not really a boomer con on this. Uh, take the money from the universities that have it, use that to pay off the debt. I really don't care. Yeah, J Blake. Oh, I was just, there was a comment. I want to respond to a comment in the chat. Elonzo uh, Musk, where he says, there are many things corrupting colleges and sports is low on the list. I don't know if I agree that it's low on the list. The amount of money that we're talking about here is pretty yeah. pretty substantial. But I do agree there are a lot of things that are corrupting it. We just had an article shared in our show chat that points out, uh, you know, Qatar has funneled tons of money into U.S. universities. We know CCP. Saudi Arabia has yep. funneled a lot of money in. Yep. The Chinese Communist Party has funneled money in. And then never mind the sheer number of just normal people of bizarre ideological stripes who put money in our universities and enable all sorts of absolute insanity in them. And I think all of that is true. And I think, but I do think sports, because it is so high profile and because uh, so many people watch it and engage with it and are really aware of what happens and we're going to get these long articles about it in the New York Times, it's maybe a useful way for us to think about our country's relationship with our, our higher education institutions. Well, yeah, and this, this is an important point. So you know who are the biggest fans of kind of the popularity of college football is 
are the people that want the institutions to remain woke. Hear me out. One of the things that stop major donors from completely detaching from these universities is a successful college football program. Exactly. Let's just take one school, for example, University of Alabama. They are totally captured. DEI, woke, all that stuff. But that football culture is so strong, they're going to keep on raising money. They're going to keep on having a money flow. And so what we're looking at actually is one of the reasons we have not been able to get the rallying cry from conservative America to stop giving money or at least stopping sending kids or stop supporting is because they want to keep on cheering on their favorite college football team. And I'm guilty of this too. It's a huge, it is a form of, it is, it's weaponizing your emotional attachments against you. And I think in other contexts, we're much more aware of them doing that. Uh, people have noticed this when they make you know, woke versions of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or something, that they're trying to take something you care about and use it to hurt you or propagandize you and so forth. And with college, we're seeing this at you know, one, once removed. So the product itself is not intolerably woke, but it is being used to keep you attached and uh, serving this system that is enormously politicized, is enormously damaging to everything you care about that isn't college sports. Now, maybe that's not saying a lot because at the rate they're spending money on some of these things, it seems there are people who only care about college sports. Yes. So this is a good transition, though, also to the Jewish donors that are starting to divest their funds from higher education. This seems to start to have a lot of momentum today. Leon Cooperman, legend, billionaire, investor basically went on Fox Business. Do we have that clip he swore? And he's like, these kids are morons. I've given $50 million. I'm no longer going to be supporting Columbia. You see this with Bill Ackman with Harvard. You see this with Ken Griffin with Harvard, the Huntsman with Penn. Tyler, these universities are actually far more fickle and fragile financially than people realize. You sat on the Board of Regents here in Arizona. You know, there is this there's this belief that they're sitting on billions of dollars, but a lot of it is land and immovable assets and you know things they can't liquidate. Tyler, talk about how financially fragile these universities actually are and how college sports is a major part of it. Well, yeah, you just brought up. John Huntsman's no conservative, right? Like, no, he's a left-winger like, LARPing as a we're, Republican. We're talking about like moderates now are starting to pull their money, and now, the, now this is happening in the background, by the way. A lot of the academic... Uh, enterprise, you know, that's that's happening in all these different states is now going, holy crap, like all these moderates that we thought, these rhinos that we thought were our friends are now pulling back money. There, there's serious talk the president of Penn might have to resign oh, over what their donors are saying. Because because like Charlie just said, yes. the only, the, mo, most of these assets are not liquid. This is what's important. So for example, like Harvard has a $45 billion endowment, sort of. S- sort of. They, they have, and, and, and not to mention... Is it all? It's all wrapped up in land. It's all wrapped a lot of up land, in investment. A lot of buildings. It's all wrapped a lot up in investment. Ten-year investments. Bond, they, bonding projects. Yes, exactly. All that. All this stuff. Exactly. So you have those three things on top of it, and then all the money that they have access to is controlled by a large board. Massive. Not to mention, yes. there's also no one ever talks about this. There's an invisible hand that's at almost every university that sometimes controls the board of trustees or regents that they have to work through, which is usually staff. It's usually like uh, a deep state. It's like a deep state. University of Arizona, you just brought up, hate that place. It belongs in Mexico. Uh, it, it should be the University of North Mexico. Honestly, the country would be a better place. <laughs> it would be honestly such if a better Pima place. If Pima County was in Mexico, great country. Yeah, we, we, would, we, we would, would win Arizona by 10 points. By a lot, yeah. And, and not to mention all the craziness happening. That's a, that's a future episode of Swing State Update. Uh, but I will tell you this right now. 
the only money that they do have liquid is in their foundations. And there's not that much capital there, though. No, because it's hard to raise C3 money. But, I mean, look, ASU, you brought up ASU. The number one foundation that exists in Arizona, or maybe it's not number one, but it's really close, is ASU's foundation. They're sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars. They raise $150 million a year, $200 million a year. Wow. And because a lot of corporate money, right? Well, they've pushed all that money. So the thing that you just brought up is they've said, hey, stop giving to the university. You should start giving to the foundation. Why? Because now the university president can pay him and all his friends like six, seven figure salaries. You know, Brnovich was the one that actually started to Talk expose to, this yes. to his credit. And, you know, he got attacked big time. So, so Jack, you're, you're a Philadelphia guy, as we could tell by your hat. You better still be wearing that hat, Jack. Let me you, see. Mean, you mean you mean this one? Yeah, you mean this hat right here. Just check, oh, just I, make, I forgot it was even there. Sure. Yeah, it was even there. So so Jack Penn, you you Penn is kind of the center of this, and Blake mentioned this. Let me just kind of go through this. Wharton mega donor and billionaire Mark Rowan has stopped giving and publicly calling on all large donors to close their checkbooks. Mark Rowan, by the way, is a conservative Jewish donor. He gives money to the NRSC, and he said he's done. Utah billionaire John Huntsman has stopped giving to UPenn. David Magerman, uh, who has helped build Renaissance Technologies, which uh, is the Mercer Wait, family. Said that? Yeah. Uh, Renaissance Technologies was Mercer and uh, Simmons or something like that. Was Mercer. No, but you know the, the, the building at Wharton is named literally Huntsman's. And- no, and they're done. That's what's they're amazing. <laughs> wow. Jonathan Jacobson. His father. Yeah, of course. High Sage Ventures, who has given tens of millions of to UPenn, has closed checkbook. So, so Jack, you're, you've spent a lot of time in Philadelphia. University of Pennsylvania is kind of the, the, the ivory tower of ivory tower of, like, the intelligentsia of oh, yeah. Philadelphia. It, so do we have any – and I'm going to ask Blake this question because he went to the Ivy League school, so we have to ask him. But I'll get to him second because we need affirmative action against Ivy League people. So uh, mm-hmm. let's Jack who – should get the question first. Is this is this real or is this bluster? Is there going to be? A, will do you think that these rich guys will eventually have a bunch of meetings and dinners and eventually be kind of like, oh, it's not that bad, and we made some reforms? Or are we actually seeing what we've been calling for, which is a starting of a conscious of the rich, like better elites? We have been asking for rich people to start to act to act ethically, not to get rid of rich people, just have rich people that care about the nation, care about their giving. Jack, is this the beginning of a promising trend? Yeah, I mean, Charlie, when you're when you're talking about the, the, when you the name Huntsman out there that really that really shocked me because I um you know I people know Abby Huntsman from her work on TV don't need to get into all that right now people know who she is they know her father for being the governor of Utah but Huntsman Senior um this was the guy who invented like the styrofoam that make egg cartons he invented the remember the Big Mac clam you know the clam the Big Macs he invented that okay a lot of the plastic that you have in in you know, disposable um silverware for these type of things that was all huntsman senior huntsman chemicals so the amount of money we are talking about here is is serious uh just just world level generational wealth that huntsman's have and so the idea that they're going to be pulling out i I guess i'll believe it when i see it Charlie. that's why we need you know it, it what we really need is some type of watchdog organization to keep an eye on these donors particularly when it comes to campus because I know, I know if only like there was a professor but, list yeah right that was updated like in real maybe time like a donor list we could call it like a professor watch list and we could actually list the names i will say yeah. tyler you've been around for almost eight years now right it's eight years i think right what is it nine tyler's years? older than eight no and i think january is your nine year anniversary right of, of being born 24 
15? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine yeah. years. Nine years. Professor Watchlist will go down as to one of the greatest things we've ever done. It, period. It's one, of the, it's one of the biggest spikes that we've ever had. It's one of the coolest things we've ever done. Yeah. So, so, Blake, you went to an Ivy League school. You're super smart, you know, high IQ, Dartmouth. You know high society kind of psychology really well. God. I'm not even being, I'm not being sarcastic. Is this real or is this bluster? What I will want to see is rich people can have their obsessions and be very focused on things. And right now it is driven by a news event with a very narrow application to it, which is these schools are having radical anti-Israel groups that frequently just cross the line into overt anti-Semitism. And the narrow version of this would be they try to placate either, well, one, they forget about it, or two, they placate them by essentially cracking down on this narrow set of groups, which is, you know, Students for Justice in Palestine, you get the heave-ho, you guys suck. And that would be a huge missed opportunity, I think, if that's the outcome that we get. And the other risk I would see is if we see conservative-leaning donors, instead of us dragging them away from enabling all this hateful rhetoric, we just end up dragging ourselves into it's okay to do lots of censorship and we'll be okay with censoring conservatives as long as we also censor some left-wing groups that criticize Israel or, or whatever group you have. And I'm not sure what the, what the right outcome is going to be, but I've been... I didn't like how in Florida, Ron DeSantis just issued an executive order, I believe, or someone in his government did, that just said, we're unilaterally de-recognizing, all, all of our colleges are ordered to de-recognize the following pro-Palestine groups. And I don't like it because one, they're going to lose in court, and two, they're really, they are damaging the fact that we are pro-free speech, and I would rather, instead of just having this turn into a bad-for-free speech thing, it turns into a don't-give-infinite-money-to-universities-for-whatever-they-want yeah, thing. So th yeah, so this is important. Let's just, so this is, so Florida orders, mostly it's Ron DeSantis, state universities to disband pro-Palestinian student group saying it backs Hamas. So, sorry to interrupt you, Blake, but just so everyone understands, this is a student group that I've gone up against, so is Tyler. It's called Students for Justice of Palestine. They're nearly ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. In some ways, they're the Arab Muslim turning point USA. They're scrappy. Would you say that's fair, Tyler? They're activistic. Not as well funded. Actually, they might be as well funded because they get Muslim, Muslim brother. Yeah. They do get... So, so, Blake, just to play devil's advocate, though, they get Muslim Brotherhood money. Care they money. get suspicious capital flows from the Middle East. That's proven... Why Why should we allow that on campuses? By the way, I tend to agree with you, Blake, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. Why would we allow student groups that receive money from legit terror organizations well, if they, on our university campuses? If they're getting illegal money, I would say go after the illegal well, they, money. They directly aren't, but the national organization is, right? The and they spread it out as you well know. Yeah, well, I, again, I'm a bit of an absolutist on speech. So I don't like the idea of anyone just getting shut down and for that reason. And that is unfortunately the reason that uh, DeSantis, is, that the Florida government was giving, which is they, by speaking in support of what Hamas did, are giving support to them. And that's a standard we definitely do not want to prevail because what is the argument of every single bad left-wing initiative that to we are a terrorist. Us in jail. Yeah, that yeah. we no, I, we I are intimidating people. We are threatening them with our political advocacy. Trump caused the insurrection because he said that we're going to fight. We do not want that to become the norm because if that is the rule, it is a rule that will be used against us far more than it will be used against anyone on the left. And I just personally believe it's immoral for its own sake. So, so Tyler, do you? Th I see it both ways, but, honestly. So our. I mean, some of the language that these kids use, this is not like advocacy at times. This is legit Jew hatred and like, I want to kill my opponent. 
it, it's not about speech though to me it's about like you said Charlie funding so it's not about speech right I think you should be I, I agree you should be if you're an American on an American university campus say whatever dumb thing that you want right and that's fine but if you're an organization that's coming onto the campus that's funded from an outside group it's just like it's like the Saudis buying our land in Arizona it's like Saudis buying up farmland. Should, it's like the Chinese happen. buying up, buying up houses, right, and, and land. I don't think that that should happen. And so I think that there is such thing as as uh, ideological real estate at our universities that we should fund and allow. And it's the same way. It's like we shouldn't allow them to be able to purchase that. So I think what we want here is you want the direction to not be you have these groups on campus and must ban them. I would like the focus to be. Here's all these professors whose chairs you endowed. We have these endowed chairs, and these professors are lunatics who endorse all of this. I think we can object to having professors who produce no useful scholarship in most cases. They literally have grievance-related positions in you know, ethnic studies. They'll have Middle Eastern studies. It'll just be a total sham field. And then they do full-time politics. That's what Russell Rickford does, the guy at Cornell who was yeah. saying, no, I was so excited when I saw, you know, a tingle went down my leg when I saw the scalped babies. Like, that guy just has a joke so, job. Yeah. So get rid of his joke job. So shouldn't... But that, that does happen with free speech, though. With the, like, what, what Charlie, like, with that, that's with, like, the professor watch list. Like, you can yes. expose that. And I mean, here's the to, to strongman Blake's argument that I'm play devil's advocate and throw it to Jack. I could see Governor Gavin Newsom signing an order saying Turning Point USA is a terror organization and is not allowed on university campuses in California. That is a re right, Tyler. I mean, I could see it. Great, that would help more people conservatives nah. leave California and go to states <laughs> okay, that we need fine, to win. But you understand the point <laughs> is that we we have a great California network. Some of our best students are California, right? Yeah. Same in New York. So, but Jack. Jack, you're the, you know, terrorist Svengali. You understand this stuff. So the, it, it is, it, forget your opinions of Ron DeSantis. Put that aside, okay? Let's just say Governor A, you know, does this, okay? Is Ron, is this the right move to say that Students for Justice of Palestine should not be allowed on campus? And then talk further, Jack, are you in favor of creating a blacklist for these stu 31 student organizers at Harvard that came out in support of the Hamas attack? Well, see, and, and uh, I will actually kind of respond to, I'll just say what I said to uh, the DeSantis administration on Twitter when they did this. I said, okay, that's fine, but are you going to include all of the Black Lives Matter chapters that are now coming out and praising Hamas? Would you include all Black Lives Matter chapters that exist anywhere in the state of Florida that are associated with any university that, that falls under public funding, right? So again, Charlie, the, the issue that I have here is that there's these half measures that sort of go in a little bit, but don't go all the way. So they're not actually taking the full, like if we're gonna start banning leftists and banning leftist organizations, let's go all the way. Let's actually go all the way and do it for real. When it comes to the doxing truck and the uh, the blacklisting, I saw the latest headline on the doxing truck. You guys know about the doxing truck, right? Do I have to explain that? Well, we, we, uh, we've we talked about that. Build yeah. it out for our audience. Yeah, so the doxing truck, just in a, in a quick, you know, uh, TLDR is this is the truck that is playing all the names and faces on a digital screen, basically a digital billboard on the side of a panel truck that's driving all the way around um, in the, basically the Harvard campus and off campus with the names of every single student that signed onto this anti-Israel uh, document, Carter, whatever you want to call it. And now it's gotten to the point where every day 
the truck is parking in front of one of the people's houses and actually broadcasting their name and face for everyone uh, right in front of their house. And I say, God bless them, base, 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 uh, continue this, make sure not just the students, but go after the teachers as well, anyone who went on with this, make sure that you put it out there and you put it everywhere for all to see. Because remember guys, it's not, it's not about canceling, it's about accountability. It's not about censorship, it's about justice. It's not about hate, it's about the arc of morality and the moral justice of the universe. Look, until we start embracing these tactics, the left is just gonna continue to use them against us, to use them against our families, to use them against our friends. Anytime you make one wrong move, and I'm sorry, but the conservative response to just throw your hands up and say, no, no, that's not fair. It's not going to work and it's never going to work. You have to fight fire with fire at some point. And I say, I love the docking truck. I wish I knew how to donate to it. So, I mean, I think that some American Jews are embracing that, right? I think that there is such they a They certainly fresh, are. I think there's such a fresh memory to the horrors of the Holocaust that a lot of American Jews are like, you know what? We have political power. We kind of control a lot of these universities, institutions, at least through boards and donor connections. It's time for them to feel the pain. Do you agree with that, Blake? I mean, you have come out against the blacklisting. I can't remember. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly sympathetic to blacklisting these specific people because they're really awful and it's been delicious to see some of them on Twitter and we can just drag, we can drag out their comments in 2017 where they're just you know, where they're just praising every single cancellation ever. And they're, they're now, whoa, oh no, I just got in trouble because I said that Hamas scalping a baby was good. <laughs> I'm not going to lose much sleep over it. I do, I mean, I'll be honest. I thought, I think a lot of us did like when America was a country where you could say things and not have horrible stuff happen to you. And if cancellation, if reciprocal cancellation takes us towards a reality where we don't need to cancel everyone, you know, over every opinion they have, I would consider that, you know, an unfortunate but necessary step. But I don't like the idea that we just end up in this ideological terror zone where everyone is going around pulverizing everyone to smithereens because of opinions they had in college. So just to be very clear before the Anti-Defamation League tries to murder me in my sleep, what I was saying is that... They'll probably try to murder you while you're awake. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, <laughs> Jews have given billions of dollars to institutions, and they're using what leverage they have to try and stop Jew hatred on these campuses. Jack, your thoughts. You're, you, you say here in the chat, we've always had cancel culture. You disagree with Blake. Jack, explain. Well, I mean, you, you can talk about um, supporting freedom of speech and you can talk about um, supporting this, the idea of freedom from the, I guess, law enforcement repercussions of speech in the country. But I, I do think that we've always generally had cancel culture in what we would call the popular culture or the popular um, mainstream society, for lack of a better term, because it's just been that in the past, it was uh, basically pro-civilizational forces, pro-civilizational individuals who held the rungs of power, the reins of power. And now it is anti-civilizational forces that hold on to the reins of power. So, you know, for example, people speaking out against price, people, you know, John Lennon's famous comments about, um, you know, about uh, Jesus, you know, being bigger than than Jesus, et cetera, that led to a lot of cancellation. Um, now, it certainly didn't lead to legal repercussions or anything like that, but I do think that moral cancellation has been part of uh, not just America, but Western culture for a long time. 
Blake, your response? Well, it, it's always around. It waxes and wanes, and I think over time it's waned a lot. I think the stuff you would get canceled for believing 300 years ago was uh, a wider range, and what you would call cancellation could be a lot more severe. You could be executed for it. Uh, you have surges of this, and then you have periods where it backs off. Uh, most of us were you know, young people in the 90s, early 2000s. It was not that bad then. It was kind of uncool to care too much about politics. Mm -hmm. The idea of relentlessly digging into someone's past to find some random statement they made, and then, oh, you don't get to host the Oscars anymore or appear in a movie or you're going to get fired from your job. The idea that you would have the New York Times or some magazine do a profile on a person who's otherwise a totally normal individual who's not famous just to get them fired, which that was what peak cancel culture was, was Gawker would go and they would just say, here's all these kids who said the N-word on Twitter and we just contacted all of their colleges that admitted them and we got these people's admissions rescinded. None of these people are celebrities. None of them are actors. None mm -hmm. of them are influencers. None of them are anything. We just wanted to go mess them up. Yep. And we've seen that happen to people and we're kind of having it happen with this. And do I think what they said was really ugly? And in this case, maybe it's merited because they're super unhinged and it's, you know, probably at least a little problematic if you're going to go work with, you know, a bunch of Jewish people in New York and you're on the record saying that, you know, every Jew should drink blood and their kids can be decapitated because they're settler colonists. Understandable that this is an extreme case, but I don't. I don't like the concession or the attitude that's just, well, you know, we're just in a war of one side against the other and you should just do whatever you want to the other but, side. But, but given that we are in the war, Blake, don't you want to win? I do want to win. So then, I mean, we have to kind of check our... I, was, I mean, I, I kind of agree with the, the high-mindedness that you're pursuing, but we are kind of in this nasty trench we knife are, fight, aren't we? For sure, for sure. I, mean, I wish there were tactics. I think there are tactics we can do that we choose not to use for some reason, and one of those things is just, okay, if you don't like what these colleges do or they have wacky professors, nuke that department. Like Before we decide cancel culture is great, why don't we go to the Arizona legislature and say, why does any publicly funded university in the state of Arizona have an X studies department? It's gone. All the professors fired. None of them are allowed to work for any of our institutions again. That's not cancel culture. That's don't literally give money to people who hate you. I, I mean, of course, you know, I agree with that. I think what we're at, Tyler, you want to jump in here, is that there's this kind of, we have nothing but bad options. We just need to pick kind of the best. But I don't think any of us delight in quote unquote, canceling somebody. At the same time, I mean, Blake, these people, you know, they're horrific. They want, or they want us dead. They want us. They want to exert pain on us, right? They want it to suffer. They are to suffer. wretched individuals. Yes, for they sure. are. They're, they're wretched. And I don't lose sleep over making the people that have made a profession of delighting in our suffering all of a sudden have to fear that they oh. might lose their job because they said something legitimately reprehensible. Exactly. Not like a yeah. joke. And the but, best argument, I think, is... If this is what, you know, sort of mutual escalation can bring us to a to a peace deal that I would There's appreciate. There's no guarantee of that. It, it might way. not. It might it not. Might, it, might be like, it might be a 200-year civil you war. You are correct. It is good for yeah. Turnabout to come. To, to quote uh, Dante's Divine Comedy, uh, you thirsted for blood, now drink your fill. And, and that's where we are. And so, I, I, again, I don't love it. At the same time, we're left with really we okay. So the, the really is real. I hate to be binary, but right, Tyler. There's two options. We do nothing and write op eds and say it's wrong to cancel people while they're literally transing our kids and firing us from every major power center and debanking us. Debanking you, right? Literally debanking us. Or we say, man, war sucks. Time to win, Tyler. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, the way that I look at it is really simple. It's like it's like schoolyard stuff, right? Which is like the only way that you get a bully to stop is if you like stand up to the bully and the bully is scared. Mm-hmm. Of some stuff. So it's, that, it's the argu- you could say this and, about and yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'll just give you my small. I mean, I, I don't have all the experience in the world, but having like being super involved, like party politics and how nasty. Because I, I mean, I went toe to toe with John McCain and his people. Well, you also have a fun banking story, and yeah, and, and that a lot. I mean, I've I've gone through these things. The only thing that I've ever seen ever to work is for those people to know that you, number one, are have, have political power, unaffected by what they're doing to you. Mm-hmm. Number one and number two, that's that's most important because Charlie remembers. I, I had many phone calls with him. I early, lift, I tried to lift you nine up nine years ago. You wanted to I was quit. Like, I was like, I'm I'm just gonna. I don't need to do this. I don't need this in my life. And he's like, No, no, no. You do like stay in the fight. It's gonna be fine. Like nobody's. It's not gonna matter. And he was right. But the second then is to go back at them and be like, hey, you know what? Just FYI, you know, I have legitimate, you know, muscle flex here on you. That's political power. That's knowledge. That's knowing what's going on. And when you do that, they get a little bit scared and they go, okay, I'm going to leave that person alone. And they go figure out something else for a little bit. Yeah, and, and if you don't do that, and that's the like point, we just had something well, recently with that. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's another element to this, which is that you must not allow them to tell you who to cancel. It's very, very important, right? Now, if someone has really done something that you feel reprehensible or that you feel violates your values or they were deceitful or they betrayed you, 100%, right? But you do not have them set the standard for what you do, well, right? I don't That's think, a very important thing. And I don't think our target has to be to cancel them. It has to be to expose truth. Which is that's the Achilles. I think I think cancel culture is an element of uh, Alinsky tactics. I think for us, it's like, hey, just what's more powerful and what's more righteous is to be like, hey, I'm just going to expose you. I'm going to tell everybody exactly what you're mm, doing. They hate exposure and they hate the truth, and that that's the best yield for everyone because more people become educated, more people know to defend themselves. This is like the tr- the Trump model, right? Which everybody you're up against all the Alinsky model. And Trump is like, I'm just going to tell everyone the truth and more people are going to listen. And he won an election. Jack, your contribution here. Well, I just want to say we've, we've got some got some really great comments coming in. And um, you guys mind if I have real quick, just read a few, you yeah, know, show ahead. them out there. Um, someone's here say, so uh, DJ Mac, uh, right, Kirk, show the rule book. The left goes by. They make up the rules as they go along. Um, Lonzo totally Musk, true. we said that one. Uh, Alonzo Musk had the one never interrupt your opponent when they're making a mistake. Franklin 779 anti-whites get fired, deported and sent to prison. Well, how can we send them to prison after we deport them? But we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, in prison. Uh, the real, the real WO, the golden rule. Don't give money to people who hate you. Troubleshooter one, no open check. How many different ways you can say it? Uh, where, okay. We just pulled it up. Um, D-59er, kick the bullies A-Z-Z. That's why we're in the shape we're in, because the good people stood down. Man K, always beware the left's tools. Always beware using the left tools against them. Unlike us, they also have a political power structure above to follow through on their cultural warfare. Um, I'm just going to say something, because I don't know that we've mentioned it yet on the show tonight. It bears repeating. Owen Schroyer is behind bars right now. That's what's going on currently in the United States. He's in solitary in, confinement. Yeah. In solitary confinement. He will be there all weekend because he's unvaccinated, we're told, and this is COVID protocol, in Louisiana, the same state that our new speaker hails from. Owen Troyer, guy who does a talk show for a living, 
a guy who said, I don't even know if you can say said the words, but said the numbers 1776 outside the Capitol, outside, not inside, outside the Capitol on January 6th, someone who uh, he disrupted a congressional hearing by standing up and, and heckling at one point prior to then. Again, all completely covered under the First Amendment activities. He is currently behind bars in a federal corrections institution in Louisiana, the federal government in solitary confinement. So it, I, I'll say to the guys who were saying like, oh, never use the left tools, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, guys, understand the situation that we're in right now, current. Uh, the leader of the Republican Party and number one opposition candidate has been arrested four times and faces 91 different charges in various jurisdictions around the country faces actual jail time. You understand that they want to, there's, there's also a guy saying that this judge saying that I'll throw this guy, Trump, this president, your opposition leader behind bars. If he talked too much publicly about the process that's going on, uh, Charlie, are there, have there ever been any books that were written about this where they described the process being the punishment itself? I, I can't think of any. Can you say that again? Oh, that talk about the the political trials actually being the point, not oh, so much right. the actual yeah. darkness yeah, at the noon. actual punishment. Darkness yeah. at noon. That's darkness exactly at noon right. with Mr. Rubishov by Arthur Kessler, one of the least appreciated right. and so, so guys, books of the twentieth like, century. We wouldn't be having these conversations were we not in the situation that we're currently in. So please don't, you know, get, understand the world that we're in right now. Don't take things out of context. This is not a vacuum. There are actual people who are friends of ours. Friends of everybody on this show that have been put behind, that are behind bars right now named Owen Schroyer for their speech, for their opinions. And so everyone needs to understand this. Everyone needs to understand this. All right. Well, speaking of cancel culture, uh, big news this week. Dana White came on the program on the Charlie Kirk show. And we talked about Bud Light, UFC, and a surprise announcement of the UFC partnering with Bud Light. Let's go to cut 126. I want to be with people that I'm aligned with. It's not about money anymore for me. It's, it's about being uh, with like-minded people and everybody that comes into the UFC knows what this business is about it's, it, and, and what I'm about, what I stand for. This decision to go with Bud Light was based on anything but money. Okay, and so Bud Light and UFC are doing a joint partnership and a branding deal. Dana White came on for a full conversation on our podcast. And, you know, I really like Dana. I've gotten to know him. He's an entrepreneur, patriot, and he's also had the president's back 100%. But let's ask this question. Is there an opportunity ever, Jack, let's start with you, where we want to say, hey, you know, Bud Light screwed up with the Dylan Mulvaney thing. They're a massive company. Do we want them to just say, only sponsor left-wing stuff. We never want it. Or is there an argument to be made to say if they start to invest in organizations, sport leagues, and things that are more center-right, like UFC, that is movement in the right direction and them admitting their mistake, a.k.a. message received? Jack, how should we think about this? Well, Charlie, I, I've been to I've been to UFC fights. Um, we were at that. We we're actually at that fight in in Vegas um, where McGregor broke his broke his ankle. And like what round was that round three? You know, we were there, the one where Trump came in and had the huge pop. Mel Gibson was sitting like a couple of rows in front of us. It was awesome. Anything where Braveheart was in, 
was it interesting? It was round one. I didn't think it was round one. Was it round one? Was it actually? It may have been that early that I think about it. Um, it was huge. One where Trump walked in or Rich Chanting USA. Um, but so, so I'll tell you, that was a huge, that was a huge crowd. But Charlie, it's to your point, even though the organization UFC is more, is more center right. I think people need to understand that there's, there's in, in their organization, in that audience, if you look at uh, these sporting events, like, like the WWE, like UFC, um, there are members of the audience, by the way, there that are gay. Um, that are LGBT. And so, you know, I think this is clearly a percentage that they're working into it. But at the same time, obviously, UFC it, and, and Bud Light seem to be moving far away from that at the same time. So it's sort of like we did it, we bounced off. And and I'll be fair about this. And I, I was fair about this when it came up at the time with even with the the, the trans whatever thing that was done. It, it wasn't like they did some kind of and people will be like, oh, post was being a cuck. No, 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 it's just facts. Right. It's just facts. It wasn't like they did an ad campaign. It was like one beer cozy. It was literally one beer cozy. So <laughs> to your point, you know, am I going to take money for them? No, I don't drink. I don't do that. Yeah, but I'm in a at, perpetual the boycott. Other, you know, for, say again. <laughs> I'm I'm constantly boycotting. Boycotting what? It's a joke, Jack. We don't drink, oh, so we're oh, constantly I'm sorry, I boycotting. You were boycotting. Right? I'm sorry. No, some, no. Some it, of us have comedic timing, and and um, no, no, no. I'm saying and, that you uh, and I are in constant boycott. Well, you'll work on it, Charlie. You'll get there. Watch a little more Seinfeld. Um, and then um, and then one day, one day, and then um, basic, basically, I think I think you're right. I think it's a carrot and stick approach. I think we need to have a carrot and stick approach with these large organizations. We really do. Yeah. So so Blake, where do you fall on this? So first of all, someone called me Bud Light Blake in the comments, and I don't think I've ever drank a Bud Light in my entire life. <laughs> and I that even means more coming from me because I do drink sometimes, but not that. <laughs> you heathen! But, you know, it was it was good enough for Christ. It was good enough for me, I suppose. He was Lord of all. Yes, he gets and privileges he was we don't fully get. God and fully man, <laughs> and sometimes True. he drank wine for dinner. So, when but you, anyway, when you raise someone from the dead, you can have Merlot. <laughs> I mean, have you seen what alcohol can do to people? That's all I'm saying. Anyway, so with the with the Bud Light thing, I worry that the biggest asset of Bud Light is we might be getting too much into the specifics of, oh, have they have they redeemed themselves and so on. We've gotten very excited because this is kind of the first big conservative boycott in recent history. On mass to, scale. To, to be big, to really stick, for them to try to fix it, for it to fail. And I think... Some people were inclined to just think, oh, the right got better at doing boycotts and we can do this again. I don't know if that's entirely the case. I think Bud Light was perfectly situated to be a strong boycott. It's a thing that's sold everywhere. Uh, it's really easy to pick an alternative because there's a million different brands of beer. Um, you don't really need it. It's something you consume socially and publicly, so it's really easy to enforce because you go to a party and someone's like, <laughs> you're, you're drinking the gay beer. And... You That's know, become a thing, it's, right? It's a real thing. That's a big factor behind why the boycott continues. No one wants to be the guy who goes and buys it at a thing. And so the point is, this was a successful boycott for specific reasons. And I'm worried that if it basically, if it goes away, we're not going to be able to easily replicate it. And it might be that the best way you get value out of the Bud Light boycott in terms of having companies not want to be woke, not wanting to do things that could damage them is you turn them into an example and you make Bud Light a smoldering crater where it's just everyone will think everyone will go to business school and they'll get these case studies that say you know bud light did this thing they made middle america angry and they took a billion dollar brand and it was wiped off the face do of the you planet. think that message has already been received 
it's strong, but I think it could always be stronger. And I'm not going to fault UFC here. UFC's got to make money, and it's a lot of money. And so, I think maybe the ideal would be UFC made this deal, they get their money, and then it doesn't work, and people still just don't buy Bud Light anyway because it's still a beer they don't like. That might be the so, ideal outcome from this. Is 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 it just to follow up on on our last topic though? Aren't you know? Isn't isn't that an example of cancel culture having positive effects? Well, we I don't. It? I don't want to equate cancel culture on a product that you choose to buy for any number of reasons, especially with beer, where it's all weighted with aesthetic and it's ideological. It's it's commoditized. It's true. Boycott is not canceling. And yet people, it's not, it's not the same thing. And it's not, it, you know, it's the difference between a commercial ramifications for a large conglomerate and the individual ramifications for one person's like life. And especially one person's life in something that's often unrelated to their ability to work in any other field. Whereas this is, you know, what Bud Light chose to do as a beer to market itself. It's just, it is not, I think it abuses the term cancel culture to say that, People deciding they don't want to drink Bud Light because it's the gay beer now uh, is is cancel culture. It's a much more traditional alienation of your customer well, l- base. L- let me ask the question just more broadly, okay? So Tyler or Jack, let's just take Bud Light out of this. W- we need some rules, I think, right? We need some rules of do we ever allow a company to redeem themselves to come back into the movement if they want to spend money on the right stuff? Or no, do we say absolutely not? We're not going to let that because I think there is a big difference here. Okay. Bud Light, you know, did the can, whatever. Mm-hmm. Their response was, was poor. Let's be honest. Right. It was like, they thought they could get away with it. They thought the news cycle would pass. That is different than North face or whatever. Patagonia literally just running like gay ads and like owning it and doubling and tripling down. Yeah. Right. So, but I'm just wondering what should the criteria Tyler be? Do we just say, you know what? No, we're not going to do it. You're not allowed back into the club. Cause, but honestly, it's a question we have to have because what I think conservative America is grappling with, both in the speaker's race here, is like, wait, what do we do with this power that we know? Because <laughs> we have a lot of it, more than I think we ever realized. I think that people look at this. I think it's like a social thing. I think it's not dissimilar from like what Ron DeSantis is going through right now and also women who change their hair color drastically and then change it back almost immediately afterwards, because this happens Also like Ron DeSantis. Also like Ron DeSantis. <laughs> is that, I think what happens, it's more like watching a train, you know, collision, or like a train derailment, or like you can't take your eyes off it, like a bad accident. And people are going to be intrigued and in watching like what they do with UFC, but it's like, if it doesn't come off organic and natural and like sane, then it's not going to do anything for them and people are actually going to be more disgusted by it in the same way as like if like somebody goes crazy and they color their hair, they're like a blonde person, they color their hair you know, dark and then all of a sudden they, I know this is a very specific like example of analogy. Speaking from any, but the, have you had recent <laughs> but then they, like, try to, they try to bleach their hair back and then all their hair falls out and everyone's just like watching the whole time. Like what is that person going through? I'm not going to say gender, but like what is that person going through? And like it's the same thing with like this and like with Ron DeSantis is like or political candidates in general, like you'll see them like go all in and then they try to like make up for it. And then by that point, people are just watching and then they're like, this is so not organic or natural. I'm watching and I'm intrigued because it's a freak show. 
but like I'm not going to actually subscribe to that. And I think that's what's going to happen with it's, this. It's a momentum-based equation, I think. Bud Light was so big, it was almost unkillable until they screwed it up so bad, and now it's almost impossible to undo. It's like a. I think if it was a small brand, if it was a smaller brand, people would be more willing to forgive it because it might be one guy who runs everything. He writes a letter. People identify with that a little bit more, and and you turn it around. But Bud Light is obviously a giant corporate thing, and but let's be honest, UFC is a right wing thing. It is, right? it is for sure, right? I mean, it's it's a right wing thing. You I, you not agree, Tyler? No, I agree with you. I just don't think it has anything to do with UFC. I don't think I think it's more like UFC is just like it has eyeballs. I yeah, just, they're just they're just they'll take anybody's money. Okay, for the most part, I, I don't think this impacts UFC at all. What I'm saying though is that some companies wouldn't wouldn't partner with UFC. Some companies yeah. wouldn't partner. Yeah, yeah, obviously, but Light's know. trying to, like, fake it. I don't know that UFC's not right-wing on par with, I don't know, maybe a gun uh, manufacturer or something. Pretty close. <laughs> well, look, I mean, here, here they, they have Trump come, you know, Rogan, all that stuff. It's also ridiculously bloody and all that stuff. But, I mean, Dana is super outspokenly Trump, MAGA, yeah. conservative, you know, defied the COVID stuff, you know, yeah. anti-cancer culture, all that. Jack, do you see what I'm getting at here, which is, again, I, I'm not even sure I know the answer, but, you know, you Anheuser-Busch is a blue chip company. I don't like the argument people say, oh, it's an old American company. Like, okay, that's... They're owned by a Belgian yeah, I, I, exactly. That yeah. Exactly. Okay. But, but the argument that I say, okay, I think that we as conservatives need to reassess what do we do with power, corporate power, government power, Right. What do we do with power? We don't know. Actually, that's why we're debating it all hour. Do we cancel people? Do we blacklist them? Do we kick, you know, SJP off campus? Well, it's, it's, it's we don't know. So I'm guessing like from this, what do we do? Because in some ways, Anheuser-Busch is acknowledging that they are controlled by the American right. Well, Charlie, what what we need to do is we have to remember a couple of things. You know, I, I'm not going to do the whole like first principles spiel, but right, we we are the side that loves innovation. We are the side that loves freedom. We are the side that loves actual creation and entrepreneurship, right? We we do actually support those things on this side, right? I know that we have a lot of other fights that we have to do on a regular basis, but those are the things that we support, and so we want to set up a system whereby in those. Uh, I, I say the ability to achieve greatness is um, is protected. And so that means boundaries. OK, that means setting boundaries on our country. That means setting boundaries on our military, on every institution that we can possibly get in control of. And because these same institutions, whether it be a company like Bud, whether it be a place like the military, we were talking about the universities in the last segment, have been taken over by these radicals who hate excellence, who hate greatness, who don't want achievement, they want to force their radical programs on everybody else. Uh, our goal should be, number one, destroying those programs, but number two, making sure that when someone does return to the normal parameters that have been set up, and, and by the way, the same parameters that's, that have given this country so much wealth and power and status and greatness over the years, then they should be supported. So once you get back on track, we're good. 
Okay, that's what we want. We want to shut down that kind of stuff. Like, for example, I would love if NASA went back to the space shuttle program and putting putting men on the moon and putting people in space and having literally, remember the right stuff and the best man for the job? No, I'm sorry, hidden figures, right? It's not the hidden figures. It's Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. Those are the ones who matter the most. You know why? Because they're the ones who did it with less technology than you would find in like a TI-83 calculator in your pocket when they went to the moon. That's the pinnacle of American greatness is the moon landing. That's the country that we need to be again. And whatever institution gets us there should be the ones that we support. Blake. Uh, I'm distracted. We have a guy we have a guy in chat who's like who's trolling me nonstop. So he's calling me Bud Light Blake. I'm gonna have to get it's actually it's actually to... me on my on my alt. Oh, <laughs> oh man. This is a betrayal. This might be this might be the worst betrayal to ever happen to anyone in human history. Anime betray worst anime betrayals. Worst anime betrayal. This is worse than this is worse than Judas. <laughs> do we want to get to the deep web reveal? <laughs> Ooh, do we have the stuff ready for the deep web reveal? I think we do. Wait, so I don't have it. I don't have it set up. Wait, go ahead. Uh, I'll just, I'll get it. Oh, I'm gonna again. get it. I'm gonna get it. So the deep web reveal for this week is very relevant because we just did bring up you know, the worst betrayals of all time. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of translations of the Bible out there. And it used to be you were limited to what <laughs> yeah, you could I, maybe I, find at your Christian bookstore. I, I or your thought church. this was a troll when you went through. And but now we have the internet, and the Bible is a public domain book. So basically, every translation of it is you know out there. Christians like to spread the good news. We like to spread the good news everywhere. We've translated the Bible into Japanese. French. We've translated the Bible into French. We've translated the Bible into strange Amazonian dialects that have clicking sounds in them. And one of the languages that we have translated the Bible into is called Hawaiian Pidgin. It is the sort of gobbledygook version of English that you get if you are in Hawaii. And the special thing is, is that the Hawaiian version of the, the Hawaiian Pidgin version of the New Testament is called, I'm not making this up, Da Jesus Book. Dead Jesus book. So can can I tell the story of how this who which one yeah. of us found this? Was it was I the one who found this? I think originally. You found it. I think, yeah, I saw it just somewhere in my in my travels, uh in in the in the deep dark recesses of the internet. So I found this the other night and I don't even know what we were doing. And I sent it in the chat as a sort of, hey, maybe something to talk about on Thought Crime this week. And Charlie totally thought I was trolling. No, I thought it was, <laughs> he totally was like he's like, that's not real, that's a meme, that no one would ever actually make a Bible and call it the Jesus book. And, and then I, and then we found, right, there it is. There it is. And so I don't know if we have the, the shot of this, but you can go to Bible.com or Bible hub or Bible gateway. Like, you know, those websites where they're, they're pretty popular where you can, you can go through different translations, different versions of the Bible, just scroll down on one of those and you'll see it right there. Hawaii pigeon. And uh, I'll, I'll just read a little bit from, now, normally, for example, you might hear, you might hear of something called, well, well, Charlie, let's, let's go, let's go, you know, let's, let's keep it surface level for folks. We all know you've got the thing memorized front to back, but let's keep it surface level. I don't what have is the I've name? Got what? what is go the, ahead. oh, no, that's Erica. Um, what that's is the true. name of, I know, right? Now, what is the name of the first book of the Bible, right? Genesis. First book of the Bible. Genesis. Genesis. Okay. They call it the book of start. <laughs> and then the second book is called out of Egypt. Not <laughs> out, of, out of Egypt. Out of Egypt. What is Leviticus? Out of Egypt. Leviticus the, is, the laws. Is priests. Priests. And then let me guess. Numbers. Uh, 
in the wild. Census. Census. Okay, Deuteronomy. Two laws. Rules second time. See, I was not wrong. <laughs> I was not far off. Two laws. Okay, no, 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 let me guess. Then Joshua. Joshua's Joshua. Okay, then then it would be judges. Local leaders. Local leaders. First and second kings, those kings. Ruth, Samuel, Kings, those are all the same. Hold on. First and second chronicles, it would be dem rights. Records, unfortunately. I'm so close. I think the be next best good one is we have songs, which is Psalms, and then I think <laughs> Proverbs. Proverbs. Hold on, uh, um, something with like like lines of wisdom. Smart guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, the next one. No, is you really, can't be the serious. The next one's great too. Wait, it's smart well, guys. It's Ecclesiastes, which comes after Proverbs, right? Which would be like those musings. Teacher. 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 Is Ecclesiastes. I, I, this, I presumably, teacher. I guess, if they're following the same order. And then Love Song. That's, that's Songs of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Song yeah, that's Solomon. actually pretty good. That's and then Lamentations is... Hold on. Is uh, Regrets. No, sad Song. Sad okay. Song. Not bad. Love Song <laughs> meet, and Sad Song. There's a theme. There's a theme. Uh, uh, and and then... There's a lot of the, the prophets, a, but that but, one's great. Like, can, you jump, can you jump ahead a little bit to so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but what what do they call Acts of the Apostles? Well, oh no, it's like uh, it's like the Gang of the Apostles. Jesus or something. guys, Jesus guys, yeah. Jesus I kind guys. Of, I want to read just a certain like line from. By the way, this is not a joke. This I is an actual this translation. This is a real translation. Right? By the Wait, way, so, the Old like, Testament. You read, you read the one you have, and then I have an idea for what I want to do next. So we'll, we'll, we'll have Charlie pull it at random. First of all, the Jesus book is technically just the New Testament. The Old Testament is called. Dubbo Jesus book. <laughs> You're kidding me. Uh, the first version that I came out of, I, this is just the first one that came out. So there's probably better lines, but this is Matthew one. So uh, this is the ancestry of Jesus. Yes, the genealogy. So it starts Jesus ancestor guys. This book tell about Jesus and his ancestor guys. He the Christ guy, the special guy. God when sin. He from King David Ohana and David he from Abraham Ohana. This Jesus Ohana list. <laughs> Get 14 fathers from Abraham to Jacob. Abraham, he Isaac father. Isaac, he Jacob father. Jacob, he Judah father. It goes on like this for ages and ages and ages. And uh, I want to hear, and then we get to the second part. Jesus born. Before Mary born Jesus, the special guy God, when said <laughs> this happen. Mary, she make ready for Mary Joseph. But before they marry, the good and special spirit make her get happy. Happen? Oh, I guess is that. Well, I mean, that... the original Greek is they got to know each other. Something. Uh, I actually think it's kind of sweet. I, I actually happy. enjoy. Joseph, it. I could listen I to this. I think Get Happy is is pregnant. Actually, that's correct. Joseph, the guy that going come her husband. He one guy that do the right thing every time, and he no like make her come shame in front the people. So he figure, I know go and marry her, but I know go and tell anybody. Is this on audio, bro? Look at your name, by the way. Can we show that again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go. We're gonna, on... No, we should have Bud Light. We should have this as an audio book from Bud Light Blake. That's <sighs> right, Bud Light Blake. From so Bud Jack, Blake, you want yes. you want to play a game? By the way, let me guess what Revelations is. The end times. Uh, no, it, that's um. Whoa! What, what Jesus was showed not... John? Jesus show. Jesus show John. What Jesus show John. I, it just says yeah. Jesus show. So like the Charlie, Charlie Kirk show. Matthew. Oh, that's what Jesus, Jesus show John. Matthew. I I do a particular. I've just is Matthew the tax the man? So Matthew's no, what, just no, it's Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But and, then, but, and for Matthew two, it says the smart guys who know plenty about the stars. <laughs> that's the wise man. 
<laughs> They're talking about the wise. So Charlie, run. give me, give me. Let's just, just, just give us chapter and verse. Let's go. Let's let's spin right, the wheel. How about this one? Folks. One of the most the one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Genesis one twenty six one twenty seven, and God created male and female in His image. And we'll create man and woman in our image. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, Genesis one twenty six one twenty seven. Okay, then God tells. <laughs> now I like make people. And like them be ja like me, ja like one copy. They going be in charge of everything. The fish inside the ocean, the birds inside the sky, the animals, all the land, all the small kind animals that go around on top the ground. So God make the people same, same, ja like one copy of him. He make guy kind. Oh man. He make guy kind and wahin kind. <laughs> I couldn't, I'm, can't even get that one. Wahin Kain. Okay, John, John 316. For God so loved the world yeah, I that that's what he you gave say. his one and only son that whomever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God get plenty love and aloha for the people inside the world. That's why, that's why he sent me his one and only boy. Because of that, everybody, trust me, no going get cut off from God forever. They going get the real kind life that going to stay the max forever. Okay, so, so Jack, I, I just, I, I'm, we're going to get a lot of heat, you know, hate by the Dartmouth. Can't breathe. That, that, Can't that's breathe. Dartmouth on display right there. <laughs> Bud Light, Blake. So people are going to oh. say, Charlie, why are you guys making fun of if this brings people to the Lord? Is this a real language, Jack? Like, help people understand. What dialect is this? I thought this was trolling. I thought the Jesus book was a joke. Like, I, th I thought this was no way this is real, like AI generated. What is, is this an actual language that, that, pe that people speak? So here's the thing, this, this, keep in mind, this is not the Hawaiian language. This is not the English language. <laughs> this is a Creole language that is spoken by like some people in Hawaii, but many, but the two official languages of Hawaii are English and Hawaiian. Those are fully developed languages. They allow for things like gradation. They allow for things like uh, the various um, and and key differences in many of the translations to to come in. And so, Charlie, my yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna say it. Like I, I'm literally just gonna say it that what I think you're doing here is you're actually lowering the status of the word by putting it into a language like this, quite frankly. And I think you're depriving it of meaning in many cases, and you are degrading it so much. So. If if this is being done potentially as a way to help really and truly help a certain subset of people uh, to put it to to bring them into the fullness of Christ, that's one thing. But the idea that you wouldn't also be trying to help those people to fully understand uh, even the Hawaiian language, by the way, the actual yeah. Hawaiian language, I think you're just going to miss so much in terms of the teaching. I think you're going to miss so much in terms of the moral guidance that the Bible and the New Testament gives, because I'm, I'm looking at some of these things and you can just tell that the way that they're, you know, and, and Blake, you, you know, you're looking at the translations. I've got it on you version, so you can do side by side. Uh, it's it's very simplistic. It's like basically, it's like when you read one of those, you know, simplified versions of articles, you know, those different websites, they have simple versions. It's it's not the fullness of the actual teaching. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot lost that way. And I think it's worth highlighting that Hawaii, the Hawaiian language that the Hawaiians spoke, that was trans, there's a Bible translation for that yeah. from the 1800s. Yeah. And of course, as we all know, the Bible was written. But this in is just English, made up. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
This uh, is just made up, right? Uh, well, so it is. There are real. It is a real pidgin language. There are people who talk this way. I think there is a school of thought that thinks you should bring the Bible to people in whatever manner they speak. But and there's also an academic thing that will say like all languages are 100% equal, and so Hawaiian pidgin is a language on par with you know the Queen's English. Yeah, but or, Bible scholars wouldn't. Tell you them. know, it, it, you'll get you know two Bible scholars, three opinions. But right. <laughs> what I think is unfortunately true here is it is true. It's just a pidgin language by its very nature is going to be a degraded form of a language that struggles to express concepts. Yep. And <laughs> I do worry, you know, just our reaction to it does does show the downsides of this, which is it is a faintly ridiculous language. I mean, if people get saved through this, it's great. But it feels as if, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. If you learned English, I think John 3.16 is just more powerful than whatever that is. For sure, for I mean, sure. Eventually you go through so many, like you go from Greek to Latin to English to pigeon speak. Like you're four derivatives. Like I don't think you, that. You know what? This yes. is like when I, this is like when I, this is like when I talk to my kids. This is like when I explain to my toddlers uh, various stories of the Bible. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to impart them the the lesson i'm trying to impart them the wisdom that's coming through but obviously it's not going to be direct so and i'm teaching them that way because they're children and i'm trying to bring them into a general sense of right and wrong and teach them these basic concepts teach them the basics of you know the, the, the nativity for example teach them the basics of of some of the things that occurred uh, throughout the gospels etc but this is no way to talk to an adult i'm sorry I will say this is better than the message translation of the Bible. The message is really bad. The message is really bad, and their version of the Lord's Prayer is... Yeah, the message is used way too much. It's used in too like much. New, and, new church world. And they'll just straight up change... They'll probably change the meaning more than the Hawaiian pigeon one does. Yes. The Hawaiian pigeon has <laughs> vocabulary limitations. This is the message's version of the Lord's Prayer, Gospel of Matthew. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are... Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. That's not what it says. Keep us alive with three square meals. <laughs> no. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. No. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. No. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blaze in beauty. Yes. 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 I, I, I appreciate Wait, hold on a second. There was nothing about... Forgive it, us our debts as we forgive it, our debtors, or forgive it, us it, our trespasses. Keep us those. forgiven with you and forgiving others. But it just at this end, it's like God is no. down and needs a pep talk from people. No, You're like you, you just you <laughs> can go get him, God. You can beat him. You can you can we beat the up. bad guys. Just, I appreciate just it up there, folks. I, I'm kind of I'm right kind of upset that one doesn't Absolutely have an aloha not. thrown in the middle of there. <laughs> All right, guys. Do we have an, we, we we glanced over one other topic, didn't we? That we were supposed to do a really quick. Do we do we want to hit it? Uh, I, we're running out of time. There was one really quick though that we had on the docket. Oh, Ebony Alerts, really quick. Oh, Ebony Alerts. We, have to we, do we it. wanted we to hit this last it. week. We want to hit this we last have to week. Do it. Ebony yes. Alerts. Cue up the cue up the beeping again. So, in we all have Amber Alerts in um, I think nationwide at this point there are Amber Alerts. Yes. Amber Alerts are missing child. You can get an alert on your phone. Be on the lookout for this kid. There's also been uh, Silver Alerts, which are missing elderly people who might have dementia and have wandered off. But California just came up with by far the most patronizing version of these possible. Okay, that's a lie. I'll, we'll get to that in a second. California just debuted a new one called Ebony Alerts, which uh, Ebony, of course, is a uh, dark-colored substance, and 
so it is a special form of Amber Alert that is only for black people. And there are just iterations of it where you can qualify for it if you are black, but you would not qualify right, so, for it otherwise. So blacks get their own they, iPhone they, alerts? Yes, they got their own Why? iPhone alerts. Uh, I, let's see. The, the official explanation for it was just there are they, – they need it. And apparently people just ignore Amber Alerts unless they're for – the allegation was people ignore Amber Alerts unless they're like cute, blonde, white children. And otherwise people just like smash their phone with a hammer or something. Uh, so that was the claim. So they're going to avoid this by creating an entirely new system. And it's sort of – but what I get about it being patronizing is – or condescending is Amber Alerts are for children – and the main change, as far as I can tell, with Ebony Alerts is just that if you're a black person, you qualify until you're the age of 25. And so they're saying if we're counting them as children, we, just, we need to extend the range at which they're counted as children. And that is, I guess, the top priority of the state of California. So here's my question. So when I, when I get, an ebony, what, get an Ebony Alert, Ebony? Ebony. No, when I get an Amber Alert, it goes like, ant, ant, ant. when I get an Ebony Alert, do I get a chirp? I'm gonna. You're gonna have to find out yourself. I disable all of we these. Can Charlie, that's the new app. That's the new app from the thought from Thought Crime. Uh, so the Thought Crime app, we should set up a new app for not just the shows, but when something comes out that's a thought crime, we can push a notification to everybody, uh, like a thought crime alert, and the sound would be. Chirp. You're not. You're not going to believe me, but there's a fourth alert that they already have in California. What is that? It is for American Indians, and it is called a feather alert. No, you're kidding. I am not making that up. I That's thought it was a lie cool. when I read it, too. Wait, so we can't call the team the Redskins, but we can have feather alerts. Feather alerts. Feather alerts for missing American Indians. Who came up with that? Not me. Well, I mean... That's I, like I'm, that's like if you were that's that's like a 4chan thing that they tried to that sounds like something that 4chan would do to like try to troll people into thinking was actually real to see if they could get like some stupid journalist to actually repeat it like they did with the OK symbol um, or like to get some stupid politician to actually repeat it. But one that actually went a little bit too far and ended up actually going into like the actual parlance. I mean, Speaking that's just like. It, it sounds like a parody. Like, speaking what, of, you, what could you even do? Speaking of going too far, this is the actual wording, State of California website, california.gov. In order for a feather alert to be activated, a law enforcement agency must determine that the following criteria have been met. Number one, the missing person is an indigenous woman or indigenous person. Okay. Indigenous so, woman. So, so how many categories? So we have amber. Amber. Ebony. Ebony. Feather. Feather. Silver for, it, for old people. Oh, there's an older one. Yeah, so silver alerts, and that's like dementia person wandered away. That sort. Have of Have you thing. ever received a, a silver? alert? I disable all of these on my phone. Do you I, really? I believe in you You're know a bad ruthless citizen. ruthless Darwinian selection, and so if people if people go missing, that's uh don't bother my phone. Exactly. I'm just. Uh, I'm getting a. Uh, <laughs> I just got a Bud Light alert in my ear. For me. All right. Closing thoughts, Jack. Tyler had to run. Yeah, no, look, when it, when it comes down to it, um, I think that when it comes to a lot of these issues, any of the stuff that we've talked about, we, we shouldn't always just argue about it as if it's in a vacuum. These things are actually happening to us, 
to conservatives, uh, to white Christian males in the country at this very moment, not just our, not just the United States, but all across the West. So any conversation that we start having about how should we fight back should be about how do we win and how do we crush the people that are literally trying to put us behind bars and in some cases have us killed. So if you're not talking about that first, you talk about something else, I think you're just out of the conversation. Blake, final thoughts. I bet we could get conservatives to support phone alerts for missing college football players called pigskin alerts. Bud Light Blake strikes again. Email us freedom at charliekirk.com. Watch our program tomorrow at 12 Eastern. Jack follows us on Real America's Voice. Until then, keep on committing thought crimes. And to cue us out, Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney. I was hoping. Thought crime is death.